This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Talking Halos. I am your host today, Jared Timms, and I am joined alongside Nate Green. Nate, how you doing today? Pretty good. Not too bad, Jared. That's fantastic. A little bit disappointed as we're recording this on a Saturday afternoon at 6.30. There should be Angels baseball. Unfortunately, there isn't. I know I'm personally, we're going to put this podcast out on Monday, so when you're listening to this, you will have already known that two games didn't get played, and hopefully the Angels get this Texas Rangers series going. Hopefully they don't have any issues with COVID, but we'll get to that in a second. As always, I like to start off these podcasts with a simple question to get our brains going, kind of like a school class, I guess. Not a great way to put it, because I did not like school. I don't know if Nate did either, but personally, did not like school as I'm about to finish up with my master's. But Nate, question for you. Does the tie go to the runner? Yes. Why? Uh, I don't know. That's the way baseball's always gone. But um, right now, if there's a tie, it probably goes to whatever the umpire called on the field because uh, they'll say you need uh, clear evidence to prove to overturn a call. So whatever the call is on the field is probably what it's going to be. That's fair. I mean... Is that a bad way to think about it, though? Are we being too traditionalist to say that all of a sudden the tie going to a runner has just gone away? Is that very traditionalist of us? I don't think so because it's kind of turned into uh, whatever the umpire says is right instead of – it really has turned into where we don't want to hurt umpires' feelings for telling them that they got something wrong, that they're human. Um, so we'd rather just tell them, yeah, sure, you got it right instead of fixing the call. All right, Angel Hernandez over there. Relax there, big guy. We're good. Fantastic. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. We'll make it through this. So, guys, as always, thank you so much for tuning into this fantastic episode of Talking Halos. We appreciate it. Like I said in the previous podcast, if you missed before, we're going to try to start getting out a podcast every single day, recap the night before, talk about the game Next, I guess, the game that day, I guess. I, I don't know how it's going to go. It'll be it'll be kind of interesting. We'll get some farm reports. Derek will be on a lot more. John will be on a lot more. Brock will be on a lot more. Of course, everybody works still, so it's fairly difficult to get everybody on. But we're going to have podcasts more than likely coming out every single day, and it'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully shorten them up to about 20, maybe 30 minutes, just because 
I get lazy and I don't like to edit things that much. I just kind of want to roll through all this stuff. So, guys, like I said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you can, go subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to it. Give us a review if you like what we have going on. Tell us that you like the show. You know, you can email us at talkinghalos at gmail.com. You can follow us on all our social medias. You can follow myself at Jared underscore Tims. You can follow Nate Green at NateGreen34 on Twitter. Go do that real quick. And as always, give us one second to pay the bills. Some mornings you wake up feeling ready to just pull the covers back over your head and go back to sleep. No judgment, of course, but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why. Don't love your sheets? Linen has you covered. They work directly with the manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without those luxury level markups. And Brookline is much more than just sheets. They've got comforters, pillows, towels, even loungewear, and so much more. So go to brooklinen.com and use the promo code BUDS, B-U-D-S, to get 25% off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. Check out the description box for more, but that's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com and enter promo code B-U-D-S, all in capitals, to get $25 off when you spend $100 or more. Plus, you get free shipping. All right, guys, enough with all the introductions. Let's get this show rolling and talk a little bit of baseball. And honestly, I really didn't have much to talk about, and then I kind of thought about it. And, you know, kind of wanted to get down to some things. I kind of want to start off with a funner, funner is not a word, a little bit more fun of a question, I guess is the correct English way to say it, to start this one off with. And that would be, Nate, name your, the top five stadiums in baseball right now. Oh, I know, that's difficult. And actually, you know what, because I, I have them in my head, I've been thinking about it a little bit. And I think I might have it in my head. And and personally, I kind of go off fan experience a little bit in places that I've been. And honestly, a lot of these stadiums are West Coast stadiums because I truly believe that West Coast baseball is a little bit more fun. I, I, I truly do believe that. I think I have one stadium that I like a little bit more in the East. But other than that, like, my mine go as followed. Like, I think, Dod- I think Petco is number one for me. And then I go Dodger Stadium. And then I go T-Mobile Park, and then I probably go back east to some degree and say St. Louis is a lot of fun, and I know they're not in the East Central, but St. Louis is fun, and then probably Atlanta, you know, I, I, and Fenway is obviously in the mix, and so is so is um, Wrigley. Wrigley, yes, hundred percent. But as I, I've heard, I've never been to Wrigley. I've been to Fenway. Fenway's fantastic, and that's probably in my top. That's that's definitely in my top five. And I, and if you're looking at me right now and saying, Jared, I'm discrediting your your list because Wrigley and Fenway aren't in. I'd probably take out Atlanta and and I think it's Bush Stadium still in St. Louis, and I, I probably put Fenway in. I don't I don't think I can put Wrigley in. And I've also heard really good things about Coors Field too. So that that's my next stadium I want to visit, and Nate, hopefully I've given you enough time to think about like your top five list. Yeah, um, from my experience, just because I've been to some of these stadiums, I, I really do like Petco. Petco is really fun. Um, I think San Francisco is is number two. Yep, that, I missed that one. That was another one that I was thinking. I was like, ah, I, I totally forgot about San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco is for sure on my list of top five. The uh, the reason why they're number two is I went when they were like. 
25 games under 500, and that place was packed, and they were letting everyone hear it. Whether and they were playing the Orioles too, so it wasn't like a huge series. But um, yeah, to to see fans show up and and just the right next to the right next to the um, the lake or the mm-hmm. river, or whatever the it is, yep. uh, it, that was fun. I like that place a great, lot. Great, great food um, as well. Great food. Yes. Um, Atlanta's in there. Um, the old Atlanta would would have been better, but I, I still like the new Atlanta. Um, I, I have been to Minnesota, and I actually like the new ballpark. Um, the old ballpark was kind of like whatever, but the new ballpark is kind of fun. I mean, it's it's different. It's different for out there, so I, I like that one. Um, and then last but, but not least, Wrigley's on there. Uh, haven't been there. But just to see what it looks like from the outside, to see um, the fans losing their mind. I've been to, I've been to Bush. I wasn't that thrilled with my experience at Bush, and I went to a good game. I went to a, a one hitter by Kyle Hendricks. So uh, I think yeah, that's that's what it would be. Wrigley would be five. Yeah, I, I'm okay with that. And the reason why I mention this is because I, I don't think Angel Stadium is even even close to being a top a top stadium to go to in all of baseball. I think it's, would, would we say, like, the bottom, like, bottom five maybe almost? I don't know if it's that low. Pittsburgh's up there, too. Like, that's another good one, which you don't really think about. Um, but it's it's really funny because when I was playing baseball in the Midwest, I heard a lot of people go, wow, Angel Stadium, that's sick. And I don't know if it's because I've been there since I was, you know, five years old, two years old, whatever. So it kind of is just like the same old thing where like some of these stadiums, you know, my first time at at um, at San Francisco was awesome. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But, um, yeah, that that's kind of weird, Angel Stadium. Yeah, I, I don't know. I figured I'd ask this because it's kind of a weird – Weird little podcast we have going on here, and there's not a lot to talk about with the COVID issue that happened. I guess we can kind of break that down now. Uh, the Twins had a couple, I believe it now came out, Kyle Garlick tested positive for COVID right before game two of the series against the Twins. The Angels and Twins, unfortunately, were not able to finish the series off. Both games got canceled. They'll have, I believe they have Texas on Monday, which is today when you're listening to this. And hopefully that series can get played as long as no Angels test positive anytime soon for COVID. And, yeah, it's an unfortunate situation. But the real reason why I wanted to have this conver- this podcast and kind of talk about this was because of what Joe Madden has had said at the beginning of the season, and that's let's play like it's 1985 again. And I think that's kind of been the theme of all of this. And I wanted to get our opinion on where we stand between going analytics, which is basically what the Dodgers do, what, in a sense, the Padres kind of do. I think the A's are fairly analytic as well. The Rays are fairly analytic. And going completely away from analytics and playing basically, I think, Mike Sociable. So, Nate, uh, let's get your opinion on where we stand with everything. You know, not bunting, not stealing, hit the ball in the air, velocity is king type of thing, you know, spin rate, all of this. Let me just get your, let's get your two cents on this, and then we can kind of see where this goes. Okay, this this could be interesting. Uh, I'm more of a traditionalist. I 
I also am a huge West Coast guy. So when you when you play baseball, I'm a huge West Coast baseball guy. I, I do like bunting. I do like stealing. Um, I think the team I'm coaching now, I don't know if we've gone a game without throwing five bases because that's just who we are. Um, so I, I really do like that type of baseball. I, I think that hitting ball in the air is kind of boring, honestly. Um, it's really easy to catch a fly ball. It is not easy to move, catch a ground ball, make a good throw, and then have someone else catch the ball. That's That just makes things a little bit harder on the defense. I think we've made things really easy for some unathletic guys to be able to play this game. And I think what makes baseball fun is seeing athletes be athletes, you know, seeing guys uh, be athletic and making ridiculous defensive plays um, like Lindor makes up the middle or seeing athletes run. Like we don't see guys get on first base and steal anymore. It's kind of like just kind of sit here and wait for the 6'4", 250-pound guy to go hit a tank. Like kind of boring. I'm with you. I, I'm very analytical, and you know that. And anybody who knows me and follows me, they know that. I, I'm fairly analytical. But I'd say that I'm fairly analytical on most things. And that would be on some things, should I say. Not most things, some things. Like, for me, if I'm, you know, moving my fielders around, I'm shifting 100% of the time, in my opinion. Because... Basically, what hitters do now is pull the ball and hit the ball in the air. And when they hit the ball on the ground, like we talked about, the ball is rolled over to, you know, there aren't too many players that can control where the ball goes anymore. And that can kind of be the set. I can kind of say the same thing. I know, Nate, you're with me on this with bunting. I think there's a time and a place for bunting. I don't think that teams need to give outs away with bunting, but I definitely think there's always a time and a place to bunt. And I think that they, we need to see more bunting happen for baseball to get better again, in a sense. And the same thing with stealing. I, I, I would say that as well. I think that there's a time and a place to steal. I don't think stealing gives a way out. Yes, when you think about it, it does. But I think that the chances of you stealing and getting into scoring position are better than you getting thrown out. And I, I would rather take a chance at stealing a base, like you said. You know, you're in high school, you're stealing five bases a day. College, it's a different story, too. You're stealing a lot. And then you get to the pros, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, we're not stealing, we're not bunting anymore. And I don't, I don't like that. You know, I think that there's got to be a time and a place for it. And I think there needs to be a happy median with the analytical side of things. Now, if you ask me about the training side of things, I'd say get as analytical as possible when it comes to training. But when you get to playing the game and managing the game, I think you need to find the happy median and find a way to get runs across, whether that's stealing, hitting, and running, which we've seen angels do a little bit um, early, which is hit and run, and also bunts a little bit more. I think that those three, those things need to happen a little bit more in baseball. So... Nate, do you have any rebuttal on any of that? You just said you're a traditionalist, so I think we kind of live in the same department of traditionality. I don't know. Is that a word? Traditionalists? It is now. It uh, is. But, but the real frustrating part is, is seeing the top of the tent or bottom of the tent. Bottom of the tent inning is honestly the most frustrating 
inning to watch in baseball right now. You have a runner on second base. Your guy just went out there, got a shutdown inning, and it's tied in the bottom of the 10th, and you can't get up on down? Really? Like, you're going to go up there and try and hit a two-run tank to win the game? Why? Get the bunt down, have some guy hit a stack fly, have some guy hit a base hit, and finish the game. Instead of watching three guys go up there, trying to hit a bomb, and strike out twat, and two of those guys strike out, the other guy flies out, and now we're having to play 11, 12, 13 innings. And it's like, what's the point of putting a guy on second if guys aren't going to take advantage of it and get a bunt down? You don't even see people drag bunt anymore. Like, that's a free... That's a free knock half the time because third basemen are playing, you know, in left field half the time. And we don't want to take that. I'm 100% with you. When 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 teams are shifting, why are you not bunting? <laughs> if you're a lefty, I don't care how big you are. If you place a bunt and it goes to where a third baseman normally plays, you got a single out of it no matter what. 100% you have a single out of it. And granted, it's just a single. It's not a home run. But... That rolls the lineup over. That gets another guy in at bat. You, you you put a lot of pressure on pitchers when you have a runner on base. Nate, you and I were pitchers. Would you rather pitch with nobody on base or a runner on first base? Nobody on. That's an easy question. I, that that was kind of a stupid question, but but I mean you you understand what I'm saying. Like teams should be bunting more. It, it's it's almost like saying like <laughs> I don't even know if this is actually really even a good example, but I was kind of trying to think of an example in the real world, but like. It's like saying, like, a doctor doesn't know how to take, you know, someone's heartbeat. <laughs> you know, like, why are players not knowing how to bunt? Like, that's how simple it is, in a sense. You know, you learn how to bunt, you put the bunt down. And I guess now we're venting about bunting because, like, that's kind of what we do. But in, in, a, degree, in a sense, it's the same thing. Like, why are, why are teams not bunting more? You know, why aren't teams stealing bases, bases more? Why aren't teams, you know, and you bring up a good point with a runner on second base in the 10th inning. It's an automatic bunt, 100% of the time, no matter who's up, unless your name is Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, or Anthony Rendon. And I even would would push to say that you should probably bunt with, if it's Shohei Otani in the two-hole and then Trout behind him. I, I would say that because I want Trout up with a runner on third base because Trout hits fly balls <laughs> and, rather than a runner on second and now one out with uh, Otani who just struck out or whatever he did. So yeah. I, I, with in, when you get to extra innings, especially with the rules now, a thousand percent, you should be bunting almost no matter who it is. I, I don't care who it is. I don't care if there's a runner on second base and scoring position. I'll take my chances with a runner on third base and one out and just putting the ball in play somewhere, whether it's a fly ball, whether it's a single, whether it's a ground out because odds are the team, the infield's playing back. And if the infield's playing up, you can shoot it by them fairly simply. I mean, it, it's it, we saw it with, I think, Albert Pujol, or Mike Trout shot it down uh, in the first game of the Twin Series, That was which was a spectacular game, by the way, and we haven't mentioned that yet. But I, I just think it puts a lot more pressure on, on teams when you have a runner on third base in the 10th inning, whether it's to tie the game up because they just – the, the way team scored in the top of the 10th, or if it's because you're trying to win the game, and then also put pressure on the pitcher. And not another thing we didn't mention, that takes away that curveball in the dirt a lot of the times too, I think. And if you have a really good catcher behind the dish that you trust, you can probably throw the curveball in the dirt. But it's always in the back of your head that, damn, I have a runner on third base, i got to keep it out of the dirt. Yeah. 
I mean, if you watch the the uh, Padre Dodger game on Friday night, I think it cost the Padres a win. They they let Jerickson Profar go up there in the tenth, swing away, he lines out, uh, Mateo gets hit, and then I believe it was strikeout, strikeout, or flyout, strikeout. It's like that flyout would have won the game, or whatever it was. Like you put the ball in play, you can win the game, and you know the Dodgers end up, you know, getting to the the uh, Padre bullpen or whatever left was left of it um but I think it cost him a game and I think that's how that's why I like to want that's why I like to steal because it gives you a chance to win games that you're not supposed to when you're the underdog it gives you a chance to win games yep 100 percent I I think anytime you can take advantage of of getting that runner to the next base especially like like lead off double and you need to bunt him to third to try to get that run in when teams are averaging scoring like four, like five runs is a win basically, every run counts. Like if you lead off with a double and get him to third base and then score that run, that's plus one more run that the other team has a score, and that's huge in in any type of anything that you can you can do. So, Nate, quick podcast today. You know we're gonna get this going every day. I'm excited to talk baseball every day. Do you have any final thoughts moving forward? Other than we hope we have baseball at some time this week. Um, did you get to see any of the game last night? I thought it was thought it was good. I know you were a little frustrated. Um, you sent me a text. You were a little frustrated, but um, when he was taken out of the game, but let's I, talk I about thought- let's talk about it real quick. Let's talk about that real quick because I think that that's something that should probably need to be brought up real quick. Is why Heaney got taken out of the game, and I, I don't know, Nate. What what's your two cents on it? I this is kind of I guess this will kind of be our final thought in a sense. What do, what do we think about Heaney getting taken out? I believe 79 pitches, five and a third inning. Yeah, I, I think that's a very typical Andrew Heaney start. That's what you expect out of him is five and a third. I, I call him Mr. Five and a Third at home um, because he has the rule where he's not supposed to see the top of the lineup too many times. And, you know, his Garver was leading off for some odd reason, but – he was leading off, and that, that was who was up when they decided to take Heaney out of the game. Garver actually hits lefties pretty well, too, so I didn't have a problem with it. I know you weren't excited about it, but if we're going to play the analytic style when it comes to our bullpen and, and stuff like that, that's what you're going to get. Now, Nate, you just told me that you were a traditionalist. Crickets, crickets, crickets on the traditionalist, Nate? No, I, I am. I'm not saying I would have done that. I'm saying that that's what the Angels have been doing with Andrew Heaney for the last couple of years. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't surprised to see it. I was I was not shocked at all because that's kind of what you get out of Andrew Heaney is, you know, five and a third, three times through the lineup, and that's about it. Would I, would I have liked to see him go back out there? Probably not because I'm not a huge Andrew Heaney guy. Um. So I was actually fine with it, but if you're if that's Dylan Bundy, I'm sending Dylan Bundy out there. 100. percent Well, Dylan Bundy's also telling you he's going Mike Mussina on you and looking out the bullpen and saying sit the f back down, like that's not happening. And we saw that last year. But this is where my analytic based thoughts and traditionalist based thoughts kind of differ. And before I get to that, Nate, would you have taken Blake Snell out? Absolutely not. I mean, the dude was cruising. Um, The only reason 
that you could convince me that he should have been taken out of that game is because he has not thrown six innings in a game since July of 2019. That's fair. I, I agree. And I think you kind of have that same thing here with Andrew Heaney. Like, if you have him on, you know, Andrew Heaney hasn't pitched over five innings in God knows how long, which might be the case, I, I, I'm okay with it as well. And Aaron Sluggers had been really good, like, up to yesterday. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Aaron Sluggers had been, like, pretty lights out, to be honest, as well. But this is where my analytics and my traditionalists kind of merge, in a sense. And, and you're 79 pitches through five and a third. There's no reason to be taken out there. Unless you're on a pitch count limit, something along the lines of that. And granted, the Angels came back and won, and... 10-3 win, fantastic. I don't take him out. He's cruising. I think he's get, he gave up one hit in those five and a third. Granted, the final stat line doesn't look great, but I'm sorry, I'm not I'm not taking him out there. I'm I'm cruising with my with my starter. If he gets into some more trouble that inning, then I start thinking, oh, let's let's start looking at the bullpen because we're getting into the 85 to 90 pitch count limit, pitch count, and I, I think that that is pushing it there. But I thought that Andrew Heaney was cruising enough that I'm okay. I would have been okay with keeping him in there. Again, hindsight and everything. I, I understand that, and you guys are probably being like, Jared, you're say, only saying this because analytics say otherwise, or because it ended up working out for the Angels and they ended up winning. But I wouldn't have taken Heaney out there. I, I would have let him go at least try to push the sixth inning because he was rolling. Granted, he was getting into a little bit of trouble there. But I still would have I would have stuck with him. So, Nate, as always, thanks for joining me for a fantastic podcast. We're going to be doing this a lot, a lot more every day, about 20, 30-minute podcasts every day. Hope you guys can tune in to all of them. It'll be a lot of fun. Working on getting a lot of fun guests on the show. Um, probably going to be hopefully doing a podcast out in Inland Empire during a game and see kind of how that goes because minor league baseball is coming back real soon. So stay tuned for that, and it'll be kind of a lot of fun. And as always, guys, thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.